0: you were walking down the street and somebody came up to you and said, Hey, what do you say? Depending on what part of the country you're from, you'd probably take it to mean something like, What's up? How's it going? But imagine they slowed it down and changed the intonation a little bit. And they said, What do you say? What do you say? Almost certainly, you can picture some parent giving the evil eye to their child just received a gift. What do you say? We can teach someone to say thank you. We can teach someone to write a little polite note. We can teach someone to reciprocate a gift received with a gift given. But we can't teach someone to be grateful. We can't teach someone to have gratitude. Where does it come from? You see that beautiful example in the gospel today, right? And we all know it's kind of meant to make us think about gratitude and what are we thankful for. But why does one leper have it and the others don't? I really think at the end of the day, that's the question Luke is teasing out among us. How is it that one truly becomes thankful? It's interesting that the church pairs up that gospel with the first reading. Naaman, right, if you know the backstory, story, he has leprosy and he needs to be healed, obviously. And so this little Israelite girl tells him, he's not an Israelite, go wash yourself in the river, he's cured miraculously. And what does he do? He does what any one of us might want to do. He gets a gift together and he wants to give it back, this little girl to give to Elisha, the prophet. And Elisha says, no, don't give it to me, I'm not going to take it. And it's not any sort of false modesty. Oh, shucks, you know, Naaman, I really don't need that toaster. He just says, no, don't give it to me. I refuse to accept it. So what's going on? On the one hand, we have the gospel that would please any parent, and we have the first reading that would shock anyone else. Well, who's the one that the gratitude is being shown towards, obviously? It's towards God. In the first reading, it's towards Yahweh. In the gospel, it's towards Jesus. And you can never thank God by reciprocating with a gift. You can never thank God by giving back something. But what you can do is you can call other people into that experience. And when that one leper comes back and he throws himself on the ground, yes, he's giving thanks, but what he's doing in a very public way is saying, isn't God amazing? Isn't God wonderful? Giving glory and thanks to God, but those two go together. There's no gratitude to God without glory. And if you're giving glory, you're doing it in a way that others can see. In the old form of the mass before the second Vatican council, no, I didn't celebrate it, but I've read about it. (laughs) What the priest would say just before he consumed the consecrated host and drank from the precious blood, he would say this little prayer to himself. It's from Psalm 116. He would say, How shall I repay the Lord for all he has done for me? I shall raise the cup of salvation and call upon the name of the Lord. Here's the priest. He's about to take the precious body and blood. And what does he say? What he says is, How shall I ever repay the Lord for all he's done for me? You can hear the echo of Naaman, the general. How in the world can I show gratitude? And what does he say? I will raise the cup of salvation and call upon the name of the Lord. I say this with deepest reverence, but what he's doing is giving a toast to God. That's what it is. What is a toast but to raise the cup of that for which you are thankful and to call upon the name of the one you want to toast? Now, I suppose you could give a toast to someone all by yourself, but that'd be a little weird, right? When's the last time you toasted someone alone? A toast is meant to be done in community. And when it's done, it often calls forth some quality of the toastee that everybody else maybe wasn't aware of. As a priest, I've been to lots of wedding receptions. And one of my favorite parts is not when I get stuck at the corner table with the crazy aunt who wants to tell you everything about the church. My favorite part of the wedding reception is the toast, right? And suddenly the dad gets up and says something about how he's felt about his daughter, maybe all his life, and maybe she's never quite heard it. When the best man or the maid of honor gets up and shares something about the bride or the groom, and all of a sudden, everyone sees them and the one being toasted in a new way, or maybe what they've always felt, but now it's being brought forth with a beauty and a power that they hadn't had before. That's what a toast is meant to do, and everybody in the room is drawn together. The toast is not the time to give a gift, other than the gift of drawing everyone else into the beauty of the exchange. And at the end of the day, I'd like to suggest that is how we show gratitude to God. It comes out of community. You can't teach someone to be in community. What you can do, however, is you can force them into community. You can at least force them into a situation where community can grow. You can't force someone to be thankful. Maybe you can force them to say thank you and write a hundred cards. But if real gratitude is ever going to grow, at some point, that kid writing the card or saying thank you is going to have to think about his or her relationship with the one being thanked. And obviously, that's not just relegated to childhood. Community can only grow out of encounter. And encounter can be, if not forced, at least strongly invited. You can be told by your boss, I'm going to voluntold you to go to this party for our company. You can be told by your spouse, hey, we're going to this. We're going to visit these people. You've got to come along with me. You can be told by someone in your church community, or invited at least, hey, please come. We've got these communities for the kingdom. I really think that's why Father Trout pushes that so much because he's seen what it looks like and now hundreds of you have as well. You can invite someone in. That's what discipleship looks like. And oftentimes it doesn't begin in the church. I'll be brutally honest, when everyone gathers on Sunday, that usually isn't the time for building new community that wasn't there before. It's a wonderful celebration of community, and sometimes community can grow. But most of the time, community, if there's none whatsoever, it grows in subtle ways, in baby steps. When you see that person at Starbucks or on the job or out on a run, who's there all the time, That's where community starts. Hey, you got a minute. Can I talk? And maybe then we begin somehow over time to share our faith. Because if we share our faith, now we're doing what the leper did in a very subtle way. That's what discipleship looks like. It's not brain surgery. And when you see a church that's full, like here on Sunday morning... What you're doing is you're celebrating and you're deepening a community that has already begun to grow. You can't force someone to be thankful. You can invite someone into the process of gathering. And if our faith means what we say it means, if we really are made in the image and likeness of Christ, if we really are wired to be in communion, if we are meant to be together, then automatically the Holy Spirit takes over. It takes time, we have to overcome fear, maybe, or awkwardness. We might need a little extra courage to help that happen, but it works. And if it didn't work, we wouldn't still be doing this 2,000 years later. If you want gratitude, you have to start with community. I firmly believe that. And if you want to receive the grace that is offered, you have to learn to be thankful.